0: Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another edition of the SB Nation College Ball Recruiting Podcast. This is your host, Bud Elliott, along with Morgan Moriarty. Morgan, what, what's going on?
1: Doing great. Um, it's been like forever since we uh, recorded. Things got a little little crazy.
0: Yeah, we, we kind of had to drop things, uh, do a little, little reporting on, on some different stuff. And I know you were at the Heisman, which is awesome. Congratulations to you. That's a, That's got to be a bucket list item on a reporter's list.
1: Oh, yeah. That was unreal um it, it was weird because like i don't think people realize when you're covering the heisman you're not actually sitting in like in the theater um but still i mean it was unbelievable and i got to like stand next to the trophy which was really cool oh very cool
0: like do they so they they have you like an immediate room off to the side or yeah something, it's or? like
1: a separate ballroom pretty much um and then they bring the players in beforehand they brought baker out afterwards and then like Before the ceremony, since there's so much time in between, like when things get started, when they actually announce it, they just have the trophy on display um, on stage for like an hour and a half. So
0: nice and a selfie with Bob Stoops. I mean, that's that's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was um, I got there like five minutes behind. Luckily, I didn't miss anything because the pressers were behind. Um, but I walk in the elevator and who's behind me but Bob Stoops. So that was pretty cool. He says he's enjoying retirement, but he's getting used to it. So
0: that's pretty cool, though. Um, all right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about early signing day. But first, uh, as I think I said in the open, this is the Espionage College Ball Recruiting Podcast. We talk national recruiting, we occasionally talk some team recruiting. Um, you know, we, we, we try to hit, hit all regions of the country if we can. Morgan and I are both from Florida, which it's a good place to be to be, you know, if you're doing recruiting. But at the same time, uh, you know, we may be a little Florida biased here. Uh, hit us up with it with some five star reviews on iTunes. I know that um, that's what people like like to see. They like to see those five stars, it helps us get suggested uh, in other people's iTunes rankings. And you can also find us on Google Play Music. I think we're on Stitcher, uh, maybe on Podbean. I think we're working to get on Spotify. So all all those fine outlets and basically. We're on the three big podcast apps. So if you're on there, hit us up and, uh, and and definitely hit the subscribe button. Get us every week. We, we usually try to do every week. We probably do, I don't know, 40 episodes a year. We're, we're certainly going to miss a couple weeks. Uh, but so next time or this time next week, we will probably not have an episode. Uh, it, it'll probably be a little bit delayed. And that's because we're going to be absolutely insane next week. Um, <laughs> there's a new early signing period. Now, I know people... This might catch you off guard. If you're a major recruit, Nick, probably not. But I I know that uh, this has caught a lot of people off guard. I'm sure there's a lot of national writers out there who don't really like recruiting until that one week in February where they realize it can get them some traffic. And uh, they're probably like, wait a second, early signing day. So just (laughs) for people out there, if you're a a recruit and you have an offer, you can now sign early and be done with it, not have to think about, you know, hey, am I going to get dropped or, um, you know, is there an other school I want to visit? If you want to sign December 20th through the 22nd, you can now sign. And, uh, this is going to be a circus. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, we never had one before. So everybody's kind of asking us what to expect. And, and, and Morgan, what what do you think is going to happen here? Cause I, I know there's a lot of coaches out there who don't even know what to expect.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, um, just from like looking at it through a casual fan's perspective, like I feel like. They're completely caught off guard because, A, it's, what, three days before Christmas? Um, And, B, I mean, the announcement was kind of a big deal, but still it's kind of flown, like, under the radar. Um, So I think initially what we expect, and I I know you'll agree with me too, and you've talked to some coaches who do as well, the majority of classes are going to be filled out on these three days, um, which makes sense because – if you have your mind made up, if you're committed, you know where you want to go, why not just sign and get it over with instead of waiting until February? Um, So I think it's going to be really, really busy, especially because there's three days as opposed to one, which means, you know, I think more things could just pop up than usual over the course of three days. Maybe things change within the course of a day or two. I don't know. Um, So it's definitely going to be a learning experience from our perspective for the coaches and for these prospects as well, who really have never, you know, talked to anyone who's done this before.
0: Yeah. I, I really don't know exactly what to expect. And I, for that, I, I turned to those coaches and I, I talked to a lot of them. I think probably probably close to 30. Uh, and, you know, Morgan, I was super psyched to write a story about how like, you know, this and I gave them anonymity, so they, so they would speak open and on, open and honest with me. And uh, I was like, okay, this staff's going to do this, and this staff's going to attack it this way. And you know, like a scene out of Moneyball. And <laughs> you nope, know, just just straight boring. Everybody's just like, yeah, guess what? We're going to try to sign every single ver- prospect who's verbally committed to us, except for maybe a kid or two who are waiting on a test score. Mm-hmm. We want to make this the new signing day. We want the second the February signing day, the traditional date, to become an afterthought and. Uh, yeah, that's what we want to do, and so that's what we're going to do. And that is uh really quite boring, but it will be interesting <laughs> to see. I mean, they're thinking they're going to sign eighty percent of their class early. Yeah, and that's not just one school. That's a lot of these schools thinking that that eighty percent of this the show is going to be over before Christmas. I don't know if they're going to be right, though. We'll, we'll see. Like that's what they want, you know, wanting okay. and getting are two different things.
1: And I think that makes sense. I mean you know, why wouldn't you want to just get most of that out of the way and get kids signed, um, get that ball rolling. Um, But I think the interesting part about this um, is that the NCAA doesn't really give kids an out. Like, say, if an assistant leaves right after signing day, which we see um, a lot of times, kind of in December and, and sometimes in February and whatnot. But Um, that whole factor is really interesting because, you know, what if the main reason that you signed was because of a coordinator or, you know, a position coach or whatnot, that's kind of changing a little bit just because of the early signing day affecting coaching carousel hires and whatnot. Um, but that's certainly interesting. And, and, um, that's the thing about it is the NCAA hasn't really made it clear, um, you know, what to do if, if certain things happen. So that's, that's the one interesting thing um, that that I'm looking forward to seeing if if something like that arises.
0: And you know it will because there's going to be coaches right. who we're going to have a Petrino type incident, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to get on a motorcycle and do something stupid, and, and <laughs> there's going to be a, a wholesale coaching change at some big school. It happens almost every year, and, and I, I I agree with you. I was disappointed that there was a the lack of provisions uh, for these kids to get out of their letters of intent, and, and I look certainly I think what will happen ultimately. If something like that happens, especially if it happens between the early and traditional signing periods, I think that the the, the public pressure to let these kids out of their agreements will be such that, that they'll, they'll be let out. But I had suggested back in the day, hey, why not take and have the kid in school agree these three coaches, the head coach, the coordinator on the side of the ball that you all plan to play me at, and either my position coach or my area recruiter, whichever guy I probably have the best relationship with. If one of these three coaches leaves between – early sign day and traditional sign a day, I can get out of my letter in 10. The school would have to agree, and the kid would have to agree. If if they don't don't agree, don't sign early. Uh, But the NCAA had that opportunity to do so, and and they didn't take it. And So I do think that they left this ambiguous sort of uh, unnecessarily, and and it's disappointing because they're the the why of this, why would they they want an early Mm -hmm. sign day? The stated reason was because kids know where they want to go, and they just want to get it over with. So that they're kind of saying this is for the kids, but at the same time, you know, Morgan, I feel like there are provisions in this, or rather a lack of provisions, that make me think this is really not about the kids, and it's really about the the schools trying to exert uh, more leverage over the kids at an earlier date.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And and I think that that idea that you have um, with that provision is totally fair, and, you know, there's a chance that maybe if a coach leaves, the kid decides to stay at the school anyways. He likes whoever's coming in to replace them. So that's the only thing that I think could get really tricky and kind of crappy for the kids if that happens, which, um, you know, it definitely could. Um, so I think interesting if it does, you know, does the NCAA kind of go back and say, okay, we're going to add this next year or something like that. But um, again, that all depends on what and, and if,
0: Something happens. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're you're totally right there. Um, so going into the signing day, uh, some things I'm watching: who's going to get the the top like junior college kids? Because this is also the date that junior college kids typically sign, and that'll that'll be the same this year. How many of the top uncommitted kids are going to sign? Like, are they going to decide, okay, I want to just sign early, and get this out of the way, or are they going to take it down to February? You know, like like a Micah Parsons. Uh, of, of Pennsylvania who we think is mm-hmm. probably going to go to Penn State or a Pat Sertan, Who I don't think is going to sign anywhere early cuz he still has a lot of business he wants to take, you know. Uh Ebi Anoma, the, the guy at a Baltimore Saint Francis Academy, one of the the fastest rising prospects in the nation and a really elite defensive end. Does you know does he pull the trigger on Bama now? Does, does KJ Henry go to Clemson now? I I don't know. I mean, I I think a lot of these kids are going to kind of jump on the wave and get this over with. But the question is you know how many I, i'm scrolling through the you know the top 25 here as far as committed kids and i'm seeing 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 14 of the top 25 a week out are uncommitted now i can tell you where most of them are going i, I, I think but are they going to go there and they, are they going to go early what is the composition of early signing day going to or early signing period going to be is it going to be most of the elite kids signing, or is it going to be a lot of the lesser kids signing because a school might say to you, Hey, if you don't want to sign early, we're going to go sign somebody else. Uh, Cause that, that's right. definitely a thing that's going to happen. I think.
1: And I think the other really intriguing part, um, from the kids perspectives is, and especially this plays into having it over the course of three days, they can kind of gauge, you know, if they fully don't want to make a decision or they're not sure, they can kind of gauge where they would fit better depending on who signs where, you know, if, if you're one of the top rated defensive tackles, but Alabama has three blue chip D tackles, maybe they could decide, to go to a different school where they could have more of an opportunity to play immediately. So um, I think the the three day aspect of that makes that um, a lot more intriguing um, and, and could see some indecisiveness on some players that that aren't really sure. Um, but that obviously goes back to what the schools and coaches are telling them as well.
0: One thing that I think every single coach told me Morgan, was if you're verbally committed to us and you don't sign, you're not truly committed. Mm-hmm. That's how they're viewing this. And I think that's, you know, that's something we heard Paul Johnson say, I think publicly, uh, maybe a year ago when he was discussing the possibility of an early signing day. That's how they're viewing it. If, if you're a kid who's verbally committed and you don't want to pull the trigger on signing early and you may have some, some valid reasons. I, I wouldn't sign early unless I was going to enroll early, to be honest. like I don't think there's any real point in doing right. so. Um, they might look elsewhere. And that's going to be very, very interesting to see how these teams handle that. Uh, so when you say that,
1: that, when you say that, do you think that some coaches might pull offers if they don't pull the trigger early when they were expecting them to? I
0: don't know about pulling offer, but I, I think they if okay, let's say that that you know kid A and kid B are kind of equal level, right? And kid A is committed and kid B's not. Well if kid A didn't want to sign, I'm probably throwing an offer to kid B. Right. And if kid B signs, look, I might not have a spot still for kid A, especially if mm-hmm. I just had one need to fill there. So I, I do think they're gonna tell them, see, that's the leverage thing, right? That's how you scare a kid. Because these coaches right. these coaches may not have done early signing period before, but they've done signing day. These kids have never done it. And so they're going to be like, hey, man, we'll find somebody else. Like, we like you, but there's a whole lot of football players in this country. You're not that special. And they'll go yeah. find somebody else unless the and kids are really that,
1: great. Right. And and having the that same day in February still available, that just gives them even more leverage um, to to say, well, we can sign so-and-so on the first Wednesday of February.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Um, so I, I don't know do you think it's gonna be more more high level kids waiting because they're gonna use their leverage and they're gonna say, hey you know what I think these staffs are gonna wait for me because I'm that damn good or do you think it's gonna be more l- lower level kids waiting hoping that hey maybe I won't sign with a G5 school maybe I can if I wait I can I can get a spot at a p5 school in in the last six weeks?
1: I could see the higher level excuse me higher level kids waiting but I also think if you are I mean if your mind's made up, your mind's made up. There's no reason for you to wait to sign. Um, but I, I think with some kids, uh, you know, there could be special circumstances that change that.
0: I think that's fair. Uh, all right, so let's let's take a quick look here at uh, the rankings as, as we enter signing day. Um, the, the team rankings, Ohio State 1, Texas 2, Miami 3, Georgia 4, Penn State 5, Notre Dame 6, Oklahoma 7, Auburn 8, Alabama, nine, and Oregon, ten. Morgan, do you know what nine of those ten schools have in common?
1: Mm, I do not.
0: Only one of them went through a coaching change, Oregon. Hmm. It seems like almost all the schools that are up high, you know, 11, Washington, 12, Michigan, 13, LSU, 14, Clemson, 15, Texas A&M. They had one. 16, TCU, 17, Vatech. 18, South Carolina, 19, Florida, Maryland, 20, Michigan State, 21, Wolfpack, 22, Mississippi State, 23, West Virginia, 24, Oakey State, 25. I think, just reading it off, only four schools in the current top 25 went through coaching changes. And we're definitely seeing, uh, with this accelerated timeline, schools who don't fire their coach seem to have an advantage, to be honest, Mm -hmm. uh, because of the continuity. And, And it's such a compressed timeline. It makes it very difficult uh, to to get kids on board. I, you know, Just talking to some people, we're like, hey, our number one goal on, on these new staffs is just to quickly figure out which kids who were currently committed to us actually still make sense. And then once you figure that out, just try like heck to keep them. Because it's right. going to be really tough to, to, to get these kids not to flip because you just met them. Um,
1: and but- I think a situation like Willie Taggart's where – you know, Florida State's recruiting class suffered significantly because of um, you know the whole Jimbo Fisher thing. So he's now looking at he was hired what two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, uh, he's looking North at Taggart. like three weeks. Eight days in.
1: Yeah, he's looking at you know two weeks to get trying it. You know what, eighty percent of your class at least that's what coaches are saying they're aiming for. Um, that's a big challenge. And, and we've talked in the past about new coaches in their first recruiting classes having transitional type years. But I think that that's even more true um, with respect to Taggart and when he was hired and, and this early signing period.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, look, look at Oregon's class. Since they lost Willie Taggart, Trashawn Harrison, a four star uh, safety, decommitted. Warren Thompson, four star receiver, decommitted. Braden Lindsey, four star athlete. Decommitted. Isaiah Bolden, four-star corner. Decommitted. Michael Ezekie, uh, four-star tight end slash receiver. Decommitted. Miles Battle, four-star receiver. Decommitted. Uh, and then also, I think Malcolm Lamar, who's a four-star defensive end Warren Thompson's teammate there at Armwood, big-time powerhouse down in Florida, will probably soon decommit as well, if I had to guess. He got the visit from Taggart the other night and is visiting uh, Florida State this weekend with uh, with Warren Thompson. You're talking about seven four-star decommitments for Oregon in a week. Whew. Now, Taggart did have that that Oregon class rocking at a level that Oregon was never even close to before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was by far and away their number one class. We were consistently talking, hey, look, Oregon's in the top five, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, but one week they had, like, the number one recruiting and basketball class.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, I mean, they still have a great class, by, especially by Oregon standards. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick one school in the top ten, uh, who will not be in the top 10 a week from now, I do think it would be Oregon. And granted, it's kind of a cheap answer since they're number 10 uh, anyway. But I think there's a good chance the entire top 10 is going to be schools uh, who who did not fire their coach.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's fair.
0: Looking at that kind of, I don't know, 11 to however deep you want to go range, is there a school that you think has a chance to jump into the top 10 uh, a week from now?
1: Uh, Clemson at 14, um, looks pretty intriguing. They, you know, been a little bit slower than where they normally are this time of year, but, um, I could definitely see them getting some blue chips and, and making a jump potentially. And especially if, if Oregon loses some guys too.
0: Morgan, you, you stole my answer. And that's, (laughs) that's, I think that's the right call because they could get Kay May as the offensive tackle. They could also get K.J. Henry to come on board. There's a lot of other guys they're in on. The Clemson, I wrote about this this summer, is almost certainly going to sign the number one pound-for-pound pound class in the nation. Now, will they sign the number one class? Probably not because they are kind of limited on spots. Although, hey, some spots might be opening up because I don't know if you saw Dan, Car- uh, Dan Kadar of SB nation, his latest mock draft. Three underclassmen defensive linemen yeah. were projected in the first round. Um, ACC teams <laughs> rejoice. Hopefully to see those guys go early. Uh, but I think Clemson's a great answer. If I had to pick a non-Clemson team to end up in the top 10, who's currently not in the top 10, I think I would either go USC at 27 uh, or, or maybe AM. AM's at 15. There's a number of kids I think they could, they could get in on. You know, Maybe Jalen Waddell. Uh, maybe Josh Moore, who recently just decommitted from Nebraska. Um, his brother, Jordan Moore, is already a DB, committed to Texas A&M. Um 15 to, to 10 is not that crazy for for m So I think Clemson would be my answer, but you went first and, and I, I don't blame you for taking the Tigers. Uh I also think just from a how do I say this? From a committed to winning perspective, remember how there was kind of that shift with Georgia? And it was like, hmm, Georgia really seems to care about winning now. Right. I, I think the same thing will really exist for Fisher at AM. Like you don't go out and give a guy 75 million guaranteed. And not back him up and do uh, the 100 percent commitment to winning thing on the recruiting trail, you know? Um, yeah,
1: it's fair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, and plus, we've already seen Fisher do it at Florida State before. Uh, which which team that has a new coaching staff do you think is going to is going to have the, the highest class? Uh, I guess outside of a And M, since we already discussed a And M. Um. The options we have here, what, Florida, Oregon, Florida State?
1: I was going to say Florida, but I didn't want to come off as biased.
0: Um, No, I think it's a good answer.
1: If anything, I mean, I'm just interested to see where that ends up because Mullen, pretty sure he was the first head coach in Florida to be hired out of the three that um, were hired. So, um, you know, he's had some time, and now, obviously, he has to go up against um, Willie Taggart, which – i'm sure isn't fun on the recruiting trail but he's obviously got time on his side um as opposed to taggart um mississippi state's at 23 right now which is pretty good in terms of where they've been in years past um how much does that change with joe moorhead coming in i could see them potentially making a jump um maybe getting some penn state kids i don't know um but I think those two – let me see if I missed anyone else. Oh, and obviously um, Tennessee with uh, Pruitt. Yes.
0: Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not uh, today. Tennessee hired the guy, like recruiting director at LSU, really managed it that program in kind of like a GM style. I think that's a heck of a hire for Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Thomas is thought of very highly in the business, um, and he's a Tennessee guy, so you know, luring him back home. You know, I, I have my doubts about Jeremy Pruitt as a head coach, but part of being a head coach is making good hires. And
1: mm-hmm. certainly
0: he seems to have made uh, several good hires right now, and we'll see a, another wave of hires here once bowl games are done and once the new 10th coach rule arrives in January. But that, that's a great hire. I, I think you're right. Florida, Tennessee, well, I guess we'll see how much more Mississippi State can add. You know, part of that might just be, hey, if Moorhead can keep together the kids Mississippi State has, that would be a win for them. Right. Um you know, Florida State has a lot of room to add. There's going to be a difference, though, I think, between early signing period and then final rankings because the the people who close on final are, are the guys who can really close. Um, now, there, this will benefit some teams and, and hurt some teams, but I, I do think we're going to see some real shifting between the early period and the final period come January. But it, it's hard to pick against Florida since they only have 13 kids. They've got room to add, and they already have a right. good base. Although yeah, Ole and Miss I think, looking at their quarterback.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think with respect to the changing of the rankings, you know, it's also unpredictable at this point, just how many big name kids will be left on the board um, come National Signing Day in February. So I, I just think that that'll be dependent on um, some of the bigger names that are left.
0: I think you're right about that. Um Let's uh, let's get to some questions here. This one is from uh, Dak Moyer Morgan. He asks, "Will we see the unsigned prospects get a rankings bump from national sites in order to increase drama for February signing day?" Uh, without offending our friends at all of the uh, uh, recruiting websites, yes. Yeah, I think the well, okay. I don't know about a huge rankings bump because I don't know if they want to do it that obviously now. If a kid's uncommitted and he balls out at one of the all-star games, then you have like a legit reason to bump him. And I think he might get like a uh, like an extra little bump, too, for being uncommitted, certainly. We are going to focus like crazy on the kids who don't sign and, and blow them up like superstars. Just transparency here. I love the new early signing day because you get you get two of them. That's double clicks for us. We like that. That's cool. It's just it's the business. Thank you, NCAA, uh, for that. But, you know, we don't put rankings on kids for the most part. So uh, I – if we had to guess, I, do you think they might get a little bump?
1: Um, a little. I I didn't even think about the fact that the um the big you know recruit games are are after early signing day, so that's the one thing where I could easily see that happening. But I mean, other than that, maybe. But I don't think it'll be like anything ridiculous, like a ton of kids get an extra star or something.
0: Right. No, I I agree. Um, not, they're, they're not going to go from like three to fives on, on a lot of kids or anything. Um, all right, Morgan, here's one for you. Which schools or type of schools benefit the most from the change? That from uh, Aaron FSU 85.
1: I think we talked about obviously not going through a coaching change, um, but I think if you have a lot of solid verbal commits um, that you've had locked down for a while, you have good relationship with them. You know they're going to sign. Um, that helps. So I don't know if it's a specific type of school as opposed to like type of class that you have. I think
0: that makes sense. Um, I'm going to say schools that are good scouters, uh, just for this reason. A lot of times we see new offers go out to kids, you know, December and January after teams have ch- a chance to review additional senior footage. Some kids look most kids are pretty good as a junior to get offered you know but sometimes mm-hmm. a kid is a late bloomer uh, or maybe you know maybe he takes his game to another level as a senior it, it certainly does happen they're, they're growing and I mean, it, it's um, it's just kind of the, the you know evolution uh, for these schools like for instance like a Missouri who always does a good job of getting on kids early uh, and and getting them to commit and doing a good job scouting them but they can't always hold them because a, a school like an Alabama comes in and says, hey, guess what? We've now watched your film. Right. And, uh, and we like it a lot, and we want you to play for us. And the kid says, well, uh, peace, Tigers, hello, Todd. The thing is, if the kid's already signed and locked in, he can't do that. So I do mm-hmm. think that it'll help smaller schools uh, somewhat. Now, the thing here is going to be, if you're a big school, you might t- try and tell this kid, hey, don't sign early, man. Like, if that, if that small school really likes you so much, They'll hold the spot for you, and right. the small school is going to tell the kid because hey, because the big schools tell them, hey man, we got to see if we have a spot for you. But the small school is going to tell the kid the exact opposite. They're they're going to say, hey, we've been with you from day one. If that big school actually liked you that much, they would have already offered you. You're clear. You're a backup plan for them. You're a star mm-hmm. for us. And both of those schools can honestly like, can be honest with those kids when they tell them that because that's the truth most likely. Um, but that will be an interesting kind of. Uh, tug of war there between the big schools and, and the smaller schools. Uh, certainly. I, I, I think that the, the G5 schools will benefit from this um just because of, of, of the accelerated timeline and the lack of time to, to watch some senior film here.
1: Right. And I think just it kind of, with that scenario that you set up, I mean, it kind of makes the pressure on the kids a lot higher, not to make it, I'm not trying to like say national signing day is, you know, the biggest day of their lives, it, it very much could be, but um, just like gives them a lot more to think about. Absolutely, it does.
0: Okay, this one is from uh, Lorenzo Corte uh, at Hoya, Texas. He asks Are players at some positions more likely to sign early than others? Offense versus defense, quarterbacks versus defensive linemen, et cetera?
1: I don't know if it's position specific. Um, I don't, what do you think? I don't, I don't think that's like a position specific thing. If you sign early or not, I think it just depends on if you're committed to the school and your mind's made up.
0: I'm going to say like, no, I just don't think there's really one position. Now, the only thing I'm thinking here, maybe, and I want to look at this because we just went over, you know, how many kids are, are uncommitted, but, I think that the, the people who are most likely to sign are the kids who are already committed. That just kind of logically follows. Mm-hmm. I pulled up the quarterback rankings here. Of the top, uh, of the top forty quarterbacks, okay, we have one, two, three, four. Four of the top forty are uncommitted. Wow. Quarterbacks seem to really. And we 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 always write that quarterback dominoes piece, which I I got to update that by the way. <laughs> uh, we always write that about how the quarterback recruiting is, is sort of a domino effect, and mm-hmm. how uh, kids want to get that stuff done early. But at the same time, I, I think we're right on on this as far as they're going to sign early and, and they're going to get it get it done early. And I, I think maybe the answer to Lorenzo's question is uh, is quarterbacks. But as far as p- other positions, I don't really think so maybe running backs would wait just to see who got signed right. because there's only one ball. Um, the same logic kind of applies to QBs, but for some reason it, it doesn't doesn't seem to, to work in, in theory.
1: Yeah. And I think for classes um, from the quarterback perspective, that just makes that position so much more crucial because you have all these guys committed. If you don't sign them, you know, there's not going to be that many big names left. Who, who signed previously.
0: I guarantee you all, all these guys at these new schools. Like, do you think – if if Florida loses um, Matt Corral, right, don't you think that, that Dan Mullen's on the horn saying, hey, please please don't sign yet, right? Uh, let, let, let's you know, talk another thing. Oh, kid. yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's one of the number one things. Tennessee, Florida State, Miss, probably Mississippi State, although they actually ha- have their kid in Jared Maiden already. Um, I'm guessing he's going to stick. It, you're – your number one goal is to keep the class together you have. The number two goal is to not to really convince a kid to flip to you by, by early signing period because that's just somewhat unrealistic. It's just to ask these kids to wait and give me a chance. Hey, man, right. just, it's just six weeks. You're not going to get hurt you know, in these six weeks. It's not like you're going to lose an offer because you, you're not you're not playing any more ball. You're done with ball. Just wait six weeks. You know We, we love your film. We want to be able to get you on campus. We want to be able to mm-hmm. show you our vision for this school. I think that's going to work some, assuming – that the kid had some interest in the school. Because if he had an interest in the actual school prior, then maybe you can say, hey, look, there was a reason you liked this school initially. Come see how it is under this new coach. Um, yeah,
1: I think that's fair. And it's kind of a double-edged sword because um, the quote about from the coach about having you know, verbal commits not sign, meaning they might not be committed, does that kind of lessen their stock to the team that they were verbally committed to? Maybe.
0: It probably does. At the very least, it puts them on alert, right? It, it's yeah. going to depend if the kid's really good. It's not going to lessen their stock. They're still going to have to recruit their butts off to get right. it. Um, you know, but if uh, you know, this had like like not all players are created equal. You know, cert, certain <laughs> uh, certain kids get get certain rules, and and uh, people don't like that. But that's kind of the way it is anywhere. Like if you're really talented, you can probably get away with some stuff, and mm-hmm. if you're not, better walk the straight and narrow. All right, Morgan, this is from Juan Camargo. <laughs> uh, laughing because I, I butchered his name a couple of times and we just edited that part out. Uh, what lessons do you think coaches and prospects will learn this year that can alter how the new signing day will play out in years to come? Ooh, this this is a good one. You you want first or you want second?
1: Uh, Either or. Have at it. I think it just um... – like we mentioned it'll be a learning experience and i think timing um is a big factor especially when you you look at okay the kids that you got and the kids that you didn't get um i think i'm trying i have like a ton of different ideas that i'm trying to lay out basically i think that you'll learn you know if the kids are committed will they sign um what to do if verbal commit doesn't sign um, and I think it'll give them more clarity uh, moving into National Signing Day to where they can say, okay, well, we missed on these guys, but we can get so-and-so in February. Um, obviously, these coaches are thinking about that. They they know that's how it's going to be. Um, but once you actually go through it, um, that'll give them a much better handle on how to deal with that moving forward in the coming years.
0: I think that's exactly right. I. I do wonder if we have one of these situations where like you have major coaching changes, if kids aren't going to tell their friends who who are juniors, Hey man, like I, especially like, like if you are not enrolling early, Mm -hmm. don't go early, man. Like like don't, don't sign early. If you're not enrolling early, there's no real, there's no real point. It's not that much added security. And, uh, and look, man, you could get totally screwed here. If your favorite coach, if he leaves. Um, So don't do it. I, I think that could be something I, I, if this goes like coaches think it's going to go, and they actually have 80 percent of their classes filled with it, and, and I'm skeptical this is going to happen like this might just be wishful thinking, it's just kind of you know wishful thinking from all of them surprisingly and the same wish if that happens, I do think there's going to be some negative blowback, and I think we're going to mm-hmm. have fewer kids sign in in you know in, in, in future years. I don't know what the sweet spot's going to be, but but I don't necessarily think it's eighty percent that's that's a lot, although I do right. think it's going to be more than half and and probably should.
1: And I don't know how much this will be a factor, um, mainly because I know most of the time grades and everything are figured out, but um, I think coaches will learn how to handle guys that are maybe on the cusp of making the deadline for either test score or GPA or final grade or whatnot, Um, just kind of learning how to experience and deal with those guys um, with respect to early signing day.
0: I, I think that's, that's spot on. Um, all right, just uh, two more here. And uh, you know, if you all have been listening to us all year, I, I really appreciate it. I feel like like the chemistry for the show is is getting better. And at first, it was kind of rough, but that's what happens when you have a new show. So we we definitely appreciate y'all sticking with us. And uh, and if you're a new listener, uh, thanks for coming aboard and listening to the Esplanation Recruiting Podcast. We surely appreciate it. Um, this one is from uh, Aunt Dab Two Seven. Uh, Thanks for the NOLCast. Great work, guys. Uh, Morgan's not on the NOLCast, by the way, y'all. Morgan's a gator. Uh, I wanted to know how you feel about our position in upcoming early cycles since the staff will be in place and have time to actually work. I'm going to take and flip this into kind of a more broad question so we don't just take an FSU question on this. I, I think that all of these new staffs are going to do a lot better in their second year, which is really kind of their first full year. Morgan, you know Bill Connolly uses that term year zero you know for for a new staff when it, when it's like like a total rebuild takeover type thing instead of year 1 yeah i think we might need to start applying the term year 0 to recruiting in the era of early signing periods because we've always written about this and i was it you last year or richard who kind of wrote about the the first in you know, the first signing class these coaches do and how how they're kind of lacking usually uh
1: must have been richard because i don't remember that
0: okay it, it might have been richard um essentially normally the The first recruiting class a a coach signs at his new school is probably the worst he's going to sign there, assuming a successful tenure, simply because he doesn't have time to build these relationships quite as well. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Take that and just dump steroids all over it. Okay. Because (laughs) now he has, instead of, let's say a normal December one hire. Okay. That gives him what, nine weeks to see kids and visit them. Now he's got three, three weeks. If you're hired December one, to mm-hmm. sign in the kid on December 20th, as opposed to like February seventh. That's a huge change. And that is right. really going to hurt all these new staffs. I I we, we're going to have to have a piece looking at how the just simply isolating the new staffs and how they did. Um, and I think the the jump will be better or will be more drastic year one to year two. There's also this this possibility out here, and Morgan, I don't know how much thought you put into this thing, but we might need to start really going back to the idea that coaches need five years. If these, if these first recruiting classes are going to be this bad because of of the shortened timeline, Mm -hmm. four years might be be very tough to judge a staff on in, in this, in this new era.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And especially with respect to this being the very first ever early signing period, ADs know that, um, you know, when they're evaluating coaches four years down the road and with respect to recruiting, um, 80s are aware of this um i I mentioned before scott strickland you know when when he was talking about the florida hire wanted to get someone earlier rather than later because of the early signing period um and i think the other side of this is maybe fans who like we mentioned kind of see this as kind of under the radar uh maybe you know kind of pissed um in february when you know Let's say Florida State doesn't do as well as usual. Um, I think that's another interesting part of this that, that maybe they don't realize because this early signing period is kind of flown under the radar. Yeah.
0: 100%. I, I, okay, this is from Brent Gann. We already covered this a little bit, but do, do you think the top uncommitted guys will sign earlier or wait? Uh, and see who teams take before signing in February. I, I don't think that kids are gonna wait I don't think the top kids necessarily wait that much to see who everybody else signs. And, and the reason being they all think they're the best ever to play the, the game at, the, at their position. <laughs> like it, Morgan, you've talked to him, these kids are, are are cocky as hell and oftentimes for good reason because they were the best on their Peewee team, middle school team, high school team, you know their county, maybe their region, in some very limited cases, maybe the best that's ever played in their state. Uh, so they're extremely confident. Uh, now, I do think that some of the mid-level kids might wait and see who, who gets signed. Um, but, you know, that Steve Spurrier always told a joke about Bobby Bowden, go, going back to the, making this a Florida show again. Uh, about, he's like, <laughs> I just don't know how that coach just, just ends up, you know, ha- convincing all three, you know, the top running backs in the country to sign. You know, and, and that was back before the days of the Internet. So you really could right. – You could tell a kid, hey, you're the only one I'm signing at this position. It was really not very nice uh, (laughs) if that's what was happening. But now I I think there's so much information that maybe we'll see a kid wait a day. We haven't really talked about that yet. This is a three-day period. There may be a kid who says, "Uh, you know what, I'm going to wait until day three to see who who you actually sign during this.
1: Yeah, I think that's what makes us so unique is um, how things can change throughout the course of one or two days. Um, and I think, I don't think that the top uncommitted guys necessarily, um, are the ones that will wait. But, um, like you mentioned, some of the mid-level guys, and if you have offers from a smaller school that really want you, um, as opposed to someone like Alabama, seeing you as a potential, you know, spot, but, but not a guarantee.
0: Right. All right. Here, let's, let's get on this last one, Morgan. Uh, how has the early signing period impacted the math of recruiting classes and roster management? This is from Quack and Tiger, one of our uh, Clemson bloggers. Uh, have coaches given out less scholarships this year because of it? Do you see any difference compared to previous years nationally or with schools competing for the playoff? I, I really don't. I, I, have you noticed any kind of trend
1: on this? Mm-mm. Not that I've seen.
0: One of the things here, right, is that because of how scholarships are tallied as far as like giving them out whatnot, Essentially, it's it's a very sketchy system. For the most part, what we do is the kid announces it. And then if you work for one of these sites that has like a database, oftentimes you'll put it on on the kid's uh, the kids you know, uh, page. In a select few cases, the school might tell the, the, the website, hey, uh, we didn't really offer this kid. He's, he's full of it. And then that, that offer will come off. But in a lot of times, the kid can just make up whatever offers he wants within a reason. <laughs> right. Um, and, and they'll be put on they'll be put on the page. a lot of times they're not like you know a, a million percent verified and here's the other thing some of these kids don't report all the offers they have and this is probably the greater the greater thing there was the, the thing a couple years ago a kid named Anthony Hines right out of Texas he was a linebacker. I think this was like the year before he joined us and he had like 96 offers according to him <laughs> and it was probably true He's a very good player. The thing is, they would use that to see, you why know, why isn't Hines the number one linebacker? He has mm-hmm. 96 offers or whatever it was. And my response was, well, because, uh, the, like, another five-star might not care about reporting that he has a, a Texas Tech or a UTSA offer. Like, it's not right. a school that's going to sign him. He doesn't care to brag about that. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's largely dependent on the kids reporting their own offers. And because of that, it makes it a very unreliable system to, to count in terms of, like, total scholarship offers given out and that type of thing. You can see maybe some general trends, but as far as like real accurate stuff that I'd want to do a study on, it's that's very tough.
1: Yeah. And especially when you have a school like Alabama, when, you know, if, if you have a quote unquote offer, that really just means an offer to come out and participate in camp and work out um, for the coaches.
0: Right. With, with certain. Uh, that's teams. a, that's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <With certain teams. laughs> Not, yeah. not you, all. you have an offer, uh, contingent on coming to the camp and, and looking really good. Yeah, uh, all right. Well, hey, stick with the Espionation College Ball recruiting page. Uh, that's uh, just click on Espionation, click on recruiting, it's right there at the top. It's real nice to give us our own tab for that. Follow me on recruiting or on uh, for recruiting stuff at SBN Recruiting. Follow Morgan at Morgan underscore Moriarty, uh, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher. Podbean, or whatever podcast provider you like, and hit us with those five-star reviews. We'll probably do a show uh, probably Friday, uh, recapping National Signing Day so you can listen to it. That'll be on the night of the 22nd. Hopefully you all can, uh, can listen to it on that night or maybe on the 23rd. Uh, or maybe uh, for all you all traveling on Christmas Eve, uh, maybe on that date, And should be a good show, recapping the first-ever early signing period. Your guess is kind of as good as ours on what's going to happen with it. Can't wait. Bam.